Greetings, everyone. Welcome. My name is Andy Neal, and you're listening to The Hiker Podcast. This is Andy here, and you're listening to the podcast that takes me, Andy, a new hiker, and usually I talk to other hikers about how hiking has changed them and how they are changing the world around them. You, of course, are listening to the Hiker Podcast. This week is a little different. I like to do this every few months, every two months or so. I like to go and just put questions out there. You guys um, have, uh, in the reviews of this podcast have said several times that you like it when I do these. So I just want to take this opportunity um, and just uh, take your guys' questions off of Instagram. They're, oh, I think they're all off Instagram. Some were uh, replies to stories. Some were uh, DMs and others were uh, questions left in the comments of a post I put up about this week's episode of the hiker podcast and if you if this is your first time listening usually we talk to people in the hiking and outdoor community about how hiking has changed them and how they are changing the world around them we demystify hiking we get to know the hikers behind the trekking poles and part of that is um myself being vulnerable and putting myself out there and getting to know me behind the trekking poles andy behind the trekking poles as they say so um that music you just heard was kaleidoscope by who was the artist oh my gosh i completely forgot the art who was the artist of that oh uh, uh, jacob steel uh and you can check out that song and all the other songs you hear on the hiker podcast on the playlist that you can find on Spotify and the link to that can be found in the description of this episode. That's a mouthful or just search hiker podcast playlist and you'll find it on Spotify. It'll be cool. So anyways, um, big thank you to our sponsors. I'll talk more about them throughout the show. I don't know if I'll do a particular like shout out. I'll be talking about them throughout the show. Um, of course, CS Instant Coffee and Canuck Outdoors. You can also help me out by buying some uh, some things from the affiliates I work with, such as Wildly Goods. Um, yeah, the amazing stuff. I want to find out all about them, like what 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 they are, who they are. All that's in the description of the episode, or go to hikerpodcast.com. All the information's there, and how you can help the show by buying stuff from them. How you can get a discount by getting stuff from them. Hikerpodcast.com. Just click on the sponsors link. It's a brand new page I just started this week, and uh, yeah, it's just been uh, it's been really cool lately. I'm super grateful, and I say that every week because I think my my expectations going into this podcast were were pretty low as far as what it would do. I've been podcasting for, for so many years and, you know, it's, it seems some, some nominal success, you know, nothing financial, but, you know, I got to know a lot of people in YouTube and entertainment and Disney industries. I got to, I got to talk and interview um, some literal Disney legends, um, but it never turned into, to something that was sustainable. So I was a little bitter about that. And I've worked with other people in their podcasts and, um, not that I, I ever did this to make money, but then when this, this podcast blow, blew up and it was just like, wow. And I really kind of got my groove. Um, and then other people started coming to me, asking me to help with their podcasts. Um, like, wow, I can make a career out of this. And for those of you who don't know my story, um, I discovered hiking three years ago, two years ago, two years ago right after I graduated film school. I went to film school after leaving a career as a clergy for 15 years. And you can listen to all of this, my how I explained all this in the first episode ever, episode one of Hiker Podcast. Went to film school and graduated film school and just didn't want to move to LA, didn't want to move to Portland, wanted to stay in Southern Oregon where I'm based with my family. I have three kids adopted from foster care, my, my wife and I. Two of the, two of the kids um, have special needs and just moving them would be detrimental. So... um. I'm just kind of floundering. I'm finding little jobs here and there, traveling here and there for jobs. And I found hiking 
after um, talking with a therapist uh, who I was meeting with, dealing with the fact that I had not only left my career as a pastor for 15 years, I had left my old belief system behind. And I was just kind of having this existential crisis and hiking really helped fill that gap. And then the community really was just amazing. And then COVID struck uh, in 2020 and it's been like, wow, um, it's been really just this thing for me to to do in the midst of when things were pretty bad for me financially um, again, and, and not just financially, I'm not saying I was making money from this, but I had nothing to do. There was no work. I was able to do this and spend a lot of time doing this. And then just doing this led to other opportunities where like, Hey, I heard that podcast you did. Could you do something like this for us? And let's other jobs and other, this has been amazing. And I'm just so grateful. I say all that because I am so grateful to you all who listen. And, um, I don't know what I would do without this podcast and the listeners who support me on social media and on the show and the Patreons, the wonderful Patreons. There's 20 people on Patreon who support me every month with this, just a small little financial thing. I send them stickers and buttons and pins and coffee. And it's, uh, it's just really cool. And I'm just, I'm flabbergasted. And, and you know, the thing is, I, I was telling someone earlier today, if, if all of a sudden all the, the sponsorships went away and everything went away, I would still do this because I just love this community. And I mean that because and I, and I, I've done it before with another podcast. Um, I, I did it and I mean that. So thank you all for being so awesome. I'm just going to get right into the questions here and I'll dress up as we go. There's like 20 questions or so. Hopefully I'll get through all of them. Uh, first one is, will you consider organizing group hikes for less than average bodied people? Absolutely. I think that is so important. Um, what I would likely do is work with Jenny Brusso and Unlikely Hikers. We don't have an Unlikely Hiker chapter here in Southern Oregon, at least that I'm aware of or she's aware of. Um, that's something I would definitely would love to be involved in. I'm not sure what capacity I could be at in planning. I'd want some help with that. But definitely, I would love to promote that, be a part of that, because I think hiking is for everybody. And that's the, that's the, the sticker. That's the one thing all my Patreon supporters get is a sticker that says hiking is for everybody. I put those stickers out on PCT days. I truly truly believe that hiking is for everybody. Um, there is no stereotypical hiker. Um, we're all different, different shapes, sizes, um, everything. And it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, who you love. Um, hiking is for you. If you want it to be, it, you know, if it's not your thing, it ain't your thing. So definitely something I would, I would look into. I, I, I'm, I'm going to do, it's going to happen eventually, especially, I was planning on something like that happening um, locally with a, a Facebook group I run called Hike Southern Oregon. But like literally I was getting ready to back in early July, I was planning on seriously, like I was already meeting with a board I was on a, a film commission board. I was on, we were going to have a big old come back together. COVID's over meeting with all the different filmmakers and TV professionals in the area. And um, as long as you were vaccinated or tested and then the Delta hit and that plan got put on the back burner. So yeah, that's just, that's just that. But um, that's definitely something I want to plan. Um, come probably coming into coming into spring and here in Southern Oregon, we've just, I've discovered and it's just the new normal. Now I was hoping it wouldn't be that way this year that essentially with hiking, you can hike, Hiking, best hiking is, you know, September-ish, mid-September when the fires finally go away and smoke, and the smoke, big thing is the smoke, until really through the winter, just depending on how rainy it is and how much rain and or snow you want to deal with and where you want to hike. Because you really can hike in the winter here in certain areas. The elevation is low enough. If you have four-wheel drive, if you're willing to deal with some mud, if you're willing to deal with some snow, um, even here in the Rogue Valley where I'm at. You know, you can go up to Table Rock. You can do other other things. So there, there's lots of opportunities for hiking. But the non-hiking season really has become the summer here. We had unprecedented heat in June. Um, you know, 118 degrees, like insane, insane for the Pacific Northwest. And it's just really unsafe to be out hiking in that environment. We had all the different streams and creeks and, and everything running low and, you know, water sources that were normally running for through hikers, but running. And then of course the smoke came really second week of July and didn't go away until the first week of September. So it's just like, man, summer's not good for hiking. But yeah, that's something I would love to do. Um, 
early spring. We'd love to get hiker, hikers together. If, if not your, the, the question says, you know, you know, less than average bodied, you know, large body plus size, big and tall, whatever. People who aren't, you know, fit into that stereotypical, you know, by just finishing, there's no stereotypical hiker. You know what I mean? Uh, that's something I definitely want to do. So next question, have you planned your next backpacking trip? If so, when are you doing it? So I had planned it, but once again, I can never get this backpacking trip done um, because of smoke and fire enclosures. Uh, I was going to go Hobart Bluff to Hyatt Lake and then Hyatt Lake up to um past 66 um to a horribly named road along the pacific crest trail which i won't repeat if you know you know and uh, that was my plan but the uh, parts of that area were closed um the campsites i would have stayed at were closed and the smoke was just choking and debilitating within the cascade city national monument for so long and so I didn't. So my, I, I, once again, my next one was this, this one was foiled last year too. I was actually going to do it like this week last year, but they shut down the, the, um, the national forest again, right after the Almeda fire and all the other fires that were in the area, it, it wasn't safe. So, um, I'm not actually planning on probably doing an actual backpacking trip. I got some camp, some fall camping planned here with hiking involved. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start my backpacking sooner this year this next coming year in the backpacking season in the spring probably starting the applegate valley where it's warmer and then work my way towards you know the pct and other areas i, I do want to hike the rogue river trail as a through hike as many of you know my my through hike was canceled this year of the tahoe rim trail uh, both because my father had a heart attack and then ended up having to have quadruple bypass surgery i was planning on doing it with him um, and then also we wouldn't have been able to go either because of the fire there in Tahoe, the half the trail was closed and then it was completely closed for a while before that the smoke was debilitating. Essentially half of our hike would have been covered in smoke. The other half, the high, other half of the hike, the trail wouldn't have been closed. Uh, it was just, a, <laughs> it was a mess. The fires are really messing things up. So I'm really trying to get things planned for earlier in spring. And then also a lot of that has to depend on snowmelt. Do we actually end up getting good snow this year? We have in the last few years. So it's really kind of strange how things are going with that. So, yep, that is, um, that's my, uh, that's my plan on the backpacking. I'm going to do more. I love it. I have a new backpacking backpack. And so, yeah, that's, uh, that's where we are with that. So I got a, a serious question here. I like to answer. Um, what do you consider? Are the most important ethical concerns awarenesses that hikers necessarily that hikers necessarily should consider or engage with? So, wow, I'm gonna say that again. What do you consider are the most important ethical concerns slash awarenesses that hikers necessarily should consider and engage with? Oh wow. Um, I and I, I got this question earlier today, and I've been thinking about it all day because there's so much as people who love the outdoors and hiking should be grappling with from from an ethical point of view um the first thing that I'm, I'm passionate about is inclusivity that we are making sure that every person no matter who they are where they come from how they identify who they love what their nationality is what their gender identity is doesn't matter has access to the outdoors and feels welcome in the outdoors and that is not the case right now and I am super passionate about that. With that, I believe also that we need to be aware of the fact that in the United States, in most of North America, for that matter, we are hiking on stolen land. We are hiking on land that was taken from the indigenous people of North America, who, I, who are many are still here. Uh, many were wiped out by. United States, by Canada, um, Mexico as well. And uh, it's um, it's something we, we need to at least begin to grapple with. And I've, I've been talking, I've talked on the show about ways we can engage with that issue and grapple with that issue. But just, I think the first step is just acknowledging that we are hiking and we are recreating on stolen land. 
that we need to deal with that. And how are we going to not only give recognition and land acknowledgements to the peoples who this land belonged to before we got there, before our ancestors got there, but what are we going to do about it now? And that's something I'm, I'm wrestling with something. I kind of want to have a plan and to a plan to engage with by the end of the year and coming into season four of the podcast. This is what we're going to do to engage with um, the, the indigenous people of North America in the lands that we are currently hiking and recreating on uh, engage, you know, giving back um, financially um, to them, to those, those people, those tribes, those, those, um, those, those first nations. So that's another huge issue. I think we, we really need to, to grapple with um, as hikers. Also, um, another one, of course, is leave no trace. I think with, with COVID and, and I know leave no trace. Some people don't like, like the terms or they, they like using other things. I understand that um, just for ease of use. I'm, I'm just going to talk about leave no trace. Um, I think as COVID blew up and everybody got outside, got discovered the outdoors, discovered hiking, kayaking, outdoor recreating. A lot of people don't know how to act in the outdoors. They think, oh, I just leave. I go to a campsite. I just leave all my trash in, you know, the fire pit. Someone's going to come by and pick it up. No. Um, they don't understand what it means to, you know, bury your bury your, your waste uh, when you use the restroom in on by a tree. <laughs> when you poop in the woods. Um, they, you know, best practices for how far to go off the trail, how far to go away from a water source. Those things I think we really need to, as hikers, engage with, but also engage with it in a, a, a way that does not get people angry and not to be confrontational about it. Because you have to understand we all at some point we're learning. So you see some random hiker on the trail and they're they're not being malicious, like they're not just taking you know, taking their, their cliff bar wrapper, eating it and throwing it on the ground. That's obviously malicious. You want to confront someone, you know, safely if you can about that, but someone who maybe they're not, um, I don't know, packing out their waste properly, or they think they honestly think, Oh, they have their dog with them and they're They, um, they, they picked up their dog's waste and they put it on the side of the trail thinking, Oh, I'm, I'm going to come back this way and get it. And a lot of times it happens. Other animals get to it, yada, yada, yada. And that's not a good practice. You know, how do you, educate people like hey you know that's not a really great practice um tell you that safely in a non-confrontational way that's educating i don't know <laughs> yeah a lot of times i'll just be like i'm just gonna put this in my waist back here and i'm gonna throw it out because that's gonna get picked up by a raccoon or something or whatever so um so that's another leave no trace so of course i was t- talking about inclusivity land acknowledgements um for the native for the um, native american people of north america leave no trace of course is huge. And um, one big thing I've been grappling with and I wrestle with, and I live in the tension of as someone who is a hiker an outdoors person who loves the outdoors and who's creating content and who's working with companies making money involving with the outdoors is social media and the ethical concerns with that. Um, Every person who has a YouTube channel, has a podcast, has an Instagram, is working with brands, has influencer deals, who is considers themselves an outdoor personality. They are, in a sense, exploiting public lands. And I don't mean exploiting in like the horrible sense. They are using the public public lands as a means to create content, which in turn creates a revenue stream for them. And this kind of goes back a little bit to what I was talking about with land acknowledgements with, with um, the, the indigenous people of North America. How do we do that ethically and not exploit the land to such, to such a point where we're hurting it? And this is something I first kind of grappled with um, when I first got into hiking. When I first got into hiking, I've, I've always been a social media guy. I've always been someone who 
Um, I've been, you know, I've, I've been hired as a social media manager. I've, I've been, I've just always been really good, whether it was good with social media, whether it was MySpace or Facebook or Twitter. Um, Instagram is my, my thing, my jam now, <clears throat> but, um, when I first started hiking, I was posting a lot of my pictures on Instagram of my hikes and people were like, Oh, that's great. And I was getting a lot of engagement and then, um, people, local municipalities were reposting my pics. And then I said, Hey, you know, I'm gonna start this, this, um, hiking online group and hiking Instagram page called hike Southern Oregon. It's where I live. So I started this group, this hiking group, and I started with it. Um, this Instagram page, I had a logo design. I paid to have a logo design and it, it wasn't to make money at all. It's just like, I know, I, I know a guy who will do a logo for me for, you know, relatively inexpensive. And I just like, I like having a logo. I want to get this designed. Uh, maybe I can sell some stickers, which I did. I ended up actually getting stickers printed and selling it and people, you know, around town have it on their cars and their, their other things. Um, so anyways, um, I did that. And then I started just posting all my hikes on hikes on Oregon. Also my personal Instagram page, but I was still, and I still am. I do a lot of other stuff beside, besides hiking and stuff, you know, movies and traveling and film stuff I was doing, but I was noticing. So I would, I would go and I'd create a, uh, a carousel of pictures and po- a post of a hike I went on. And in, because of my schedule, I was, I was able to do a lot of hiking midweek. So I do a lot of hiking on like Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I would notice immediately the following weekend, that, that, that Friday, Saturday, Sunday, posts from all over the area of people hiking that same hike. And I was like, oh, I have a responsibility here. Um, I noticed it even more when there was a local, very local um, online, well-known family who ha- owns a, a well-known business here in Southern Oregon. No one outside of Southern Oregon would, would probably know who they are. Half the, people, half the people in Southern Oregon probably wouldn't know who they are. They're old, old-time Southern Oregon family. And they were, to promote their business, they were doing this scavenger hunt and hikes. They were going out and hiking and then um, posting clues and they were leaving something out you know, a little canister with like gift cards and stuff like that. It was, it was cute. There was some definitely leave no trace concerns. Um, but one of the hikes they did, I was like, Oh, I know that hike. I haven't done it yet. It was a waterfall. Um, it was blue Grotto falls where this waterfall only flows during certain times of the year when there's enough water and you don't know if there's water there. And I'm like, Oh, I know that I've seen pictures of that before. That's the Grotto falls. I want to, I want to go there. I want to see those falls. Cause only sometimes it only flows for like a month out of the year and it's gorgeous. Um, so that's good to know. They just went on this hike this week. That means it's flowing. I'm going to go. And it happened to be a Saturday and oh my gosh, that hike was so insanely busy. Because people were able to figure it out. They gave clues and you just, you know, you just go on Google and you're able to, it was really, really easy clues. That hike was so insanely busy that week. People who were unprepared, people who were leaving trash, um, hiking it in, in the, this is, this is in January in Southern Oregon. You know, when you're walking, there's, you know, you're, you're sinking three, four inches of mud. They're coming out in flip-flops. There's a big um, decline into kind of a ravine to get to this waterfall. It's it's not easy. And it was just like, oh my gosh, because this family had posted this, this land, this trail is getting used and there's being trash left everywhere. And I was just like shocked. And I understood the idea was let's get people out, give them something to do. But there's a certain responsibility. It's like, oh, wow. Okay. And so that responsibility um, doesn't fall mute on me as just someone who does. I post every day on Instagram. I don't always post hiking related content, but I'd say probably right now, three quarters of my content is outdoors and hiking related. Uh, A lot of it is uh, big and tall plus size fashion, some Disney stuff, some movie stuff as well. Um, A lot of times it's where those things intersect, but um, I I'm trying to grapple with how to use as someone who loves social media, as someone who works in social media, as someone who has a podcast and, um, well, just, is just passionate about these things. How do I encourage and educate 
about the outdoors in a loving and caring way without taking resources out and, and ruining trails and making sure I'm leaving no trace and encouraging other people to leave no trace. Um, it's tough. You know, I've been asked, I've, I've gotten, now I'm on my second round of doing photography of, of local hikes here. And I'm trying to make sure that when I am, I'm, I'm doing photography in these write-ups about the hikes. So I'm making sure when I'm writing up about these hikes, I'm always prefacing, hey, you know, make sure, oh, there's no restroom here. So make sure that you, you know, plan accordingly or, um, hey, this is a great spot to, to stop and eat lunch. When you do, make sure you pack out all your trash, you know, in my write-ups and everything. So it's, it's such a, a tough thing to deal with. And there's different sides of the issue. And a lot of people have been saying, don't geo geo tag where you're hiking because people will go there, especially if you have more than so many followers. And I've, I I thought about that for a while and I, I didn't geo tag for a while, but then there's the other side of it. It's like, well, no, you're gatekeeping and we don't want to gatekeep, you know, the outdoors is for everybody. And you keep saying the outdoors is for everybody, but then you're saying, don't go here. And it's like, oh, you're right about that. But then you put it out there and all this, you know, and whatever it is. So, I am really wrestling with the question and the ethics of social media and the outdoors and public lands. And how can all of us who, I mean, most all of us are on social media, whether it's just Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or TikTok. Um, some of us have the opportunity to use it to make a living or, you know, as, as a revenue stream. So how do we use that responsibly to, encourage good practices when it comes to public lands and things like leave no trace and not exploit the lands um, for profit to such a point where it's, it's, it's useless, if that makes sense. So that's my, I don't know if I answered that question or not, but that's a very long answer. I answered that one for a long time. So that's where I am with that. I mean, I, like I said before, I think inclusivity, access land acknowledgements um, um environmental concerns you know leave no trace and also um social media and with that also advocating things for like th like th things for like environmental justice um i talked about you know the fires in southern oregon that's happening because climate change is happening and the, the climate here in southern oregon is changing uh, the climate here is becoming much more dry and arid and water sources are becoming more scarce and it's 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 weird and it's like we need to advocate for policies as people who love the outdoors that encourages um clean renewable sources of energy that reduces our carbon footprint um and that and that, that as well so i'm passionate about it. i could probably talk a whole episode about this in fact i probably need to so that's where i am at with that all right. So next question here. I don't know how I want to fly through these now because I'm 27 minutes in and I've gotten to three questions. Look at me now. All right. Next question. What piece of gear have you been most pleasantly surprised by? Okay. So there's this, this uh, little Kevlar, not Kevlar, like little um, cell phone holder that I got for free and you can find it on Amazon. It clips right onto your your backpack strap and it clips and clip on any size backpack. And I stink and love it. Like I got it. I'm like, oh, well, I'll try it. It's a, it looks cheap. It's held up. And it's been absolutely amazing. And I, I gotta find it and put a link in the, the description of this episode. But it's been an amazing like this the cell phone holder to have my cell phone there because I use my cell phone for GPS. I use my cell phone for a lot of you know video and pictures as well as the other plethora of cameras I carry with me. Cause sometimes when I'm hiking, if I'm hiking, like for earlier, I talked about, I do photography for a local municipality that, you know, highlights the, the trails in this area. I'll have two, two full size Canon cameras, you know, a Canon like M50 and, the, and then a Canon, you know, um, 5d Mark II or, you know, just my 80 D I'll have those on peak design clips. And then I'll have right below that, I'll have my GPS, <laughs> um, my um, not so much GPS, my, my inReach clipped on there and then I'll have my phone there. And then a lot of times I'll have on the back on the near the um, the hip belt, I'll have my can of bear spray because I always carry bear spray um, just because especially here in Southern Oregon, we've had a lot of black bear encounters 
more into um, the urban areas because of lack of water and other other reasons and resources. So, but yeah, that that in and of itself has been amazing. Also, the Peak Design camera clip. I cannot recommend that enough. I have two of them now. The first one I got um, REI garage sale was amazing. Another one I got from REI um, coupon I had. So I think I maybe spent like $70 on the two of them. They're, they're expensive, but they're worth it because you're, you're protecting your gear. It holds on to your gear. Great. I love that thing to death. So yeah, the Peak Design camera clip is I've just been pleasantly surprised at how well it's held up, how good it is. Um, and another, I, I would say this and only because I've been through so many trekking poles is my Canuck carbon fiber cork trekking poles. And I, I, I have to preface, they are a sponsor of this show. Um, and you do get 10% off when you order your pair of carbon fiber cork trekking poles using the link in the descriptions episode. Yeah, I use the code hacker podcast. Yeah, that's what it is. And use the link in the description episode because then it helps the show out, blah, blah, blah. But actually, cause I, I, I got those after I snapped a pair of, um, lucky trekking poles. Um, and after I got my luckies because the other ones I had, I had a pair of REI ones that were, that were just not were too flimsy for me for that. I had a pair of, of Montems that were just like the, um, the baskets kept breaking off for that. I had a cheap pair, not cheap. It was a, it was a pair that was chewed up. I just chewed up, um, black diamond ones that were, it was black diamonds designed for women that the, the, the handle was chewed up by a dog and I found an REI garage sale for like 10 bucks. So I got them and just to find out if I'd like trekking poles or not. And I figured out I did. Um, but I have tried to, to, to break those trekking poles and I haven't been able to. So I've been just super surprised at how amazing they are. They're the thickest things I've ever had as far as trekking poles are concerned. And yeah, I just absolutely stinking adore those things. I, I literally hope those are the last pair of trekking poles I ever have. So yeah, Canuck uh, carbon fiber cork trekking poles, peak design, uh, camera clips and my little, um, my little cell phone Velcro, um, thing. It's designed for my cell phone. It fits right into my cell phone. Uh, it's perfect. I got to find that and I'm going to put it online. I'll find it. But that, that's been, it's amazing for me. I carry a lot. Um, when I go hiking, a lot of it is cause I have kids. So there's a boo-boo, there's a fall, a scraped knee, hungry, I need a snack, thirsty. Um, <clears throat> I'm cold. I'm hot. My back, my back's too heavy, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, so, and I'm going to do an episode eventually about hiking with kids and I want to be really careful about that. Um, but at the same time, I've had a lot of requests for episodes about hiking with kids. So I want to, want to talk about that in a future episode. So yeah. Um, yeah, that, that definitely those would be the things. Next question. What has surprised you most about the hiking community since you started hiking? I think just how open and vulnerable everyone's been and just how cool everyone's been. I, I, when I, when I started this podcast, I emailed a few people and DM'd a few people within the hiking community said, Hey, I'm starting this podcast. And I immediately got a bunch of guesses. Yeah, I'll be on your show. That sounds like a great idea. Um, like Elena Osborne, who's well known in the hiking community from New Zealand. She said, yes, immediately. Um, friend, Francesca, Francesca Weinheimer from, from hike Oregon was like, she was the, she was the first one to volunteer. And I was like, Awesome just how open and honest everybody's been. I've gotten to talk to some of um, the most well-known hikers in the hiking community. Ones who have set records that will not be broken probably anytime soon. Those who have made great impacts um, and are known by all hikers. It's it's just like people you would think having worked in and done podcasts in other industries, you're like, Oh, that person I'm going to have to really, it's going to take time because they're so well-known. They have, they have an article in the New York times about them. They've got, you know, hundred thousand followers DM them. And they're like, Hey, Oh yeah, totally. That's been like the most surprising thing to me that, and then just how kind everyone's been, how supportive everyone's been to me and my journey. And yeah, it's been really cool. Like and I, I going, I walk around Ashland and I run into people all the time who listen to the show and are just like, Hey, hiker podcast or, or Hey, Andy films and hikes, which is my, my Instagram handle. And they're like, Hey, love the podcast. And it's like, wow. This is really cool. Just how, just how encouraging people are in the community. Um, and not in a demeaning way, like, Hey, keep it up. You're doing good. You'll lose that weight. No, I'm not from the hiking community. I've gotten that on the trail from certain people, but from the online hiking community, it's just been so amazing. So I think that was, 
that's not to say there isn't issues in the hiking community. I want to make that clear. There have been things in the hiking community where people have in issues where people have been divided. There's been, you know, back and forth, a lot of things about sponsorships and, you know, that sort of thing and, and funding your hikes. And um, there's, there's things that are definitely concerning, but ultimately everyone I've, I've dealt with has been so kind and amazing to me. So yeah. Next question. What is your kid's favorite thing about the outdoors? I think my kids, um, I got three kids adopted from foster care to special needs. Gosh. Um, their favorite thing about hiking in the outdoors. I think there's just this, this sense of peace. I, I don't know if they ever say this, a sense of peace and quiet that they don't get in the house all the time or at school or any place else. Um, I see them be more themselves in the outdoors. Um, I think also they get to, they get to run, they get to be out, they get to be kids a lot of the times um, within reason. You know, you're still on trailers, still other hikers, but, you know, going camping, you just go out and, you know, dig in the dirt. It's fun. So, yeah. Uh, will there ever be, next question, will there ever be a hiker podcast t-shirt hat apparel selection available? Hiking is for everybody. Clothing in lots of sizes would be awesome. Yeah, uh, I've been looking into that. So here is the the quandary I have with that. There's There's definitely suppliers who... You can just have someone can order it and they print it as you need it. The problem is twofold. One, sizing is always an issue. Like I want to do hats. I want to do flex fit, you know, mesh caps, but I need to find someone who has a hat that will fit my head um, who can make that. And I'm looking, I'm actually looking at some distributors right now, partnering with maybe some other companies to print limited run of those. Um, and also with like t-shirts and stuff, I I would want I would want to create a hiking t-shirt that isn't like 100% cotton. Not that there's anything wrong in the appropriate settings to hike in a 100% cotton shirt. I'm not going to be one of those guys like, no, you can't go on a one mile day hike in a cotton shirt. No, I'm not saying that. What I am saying though is I want, you know, if I'm going to create a, a shirt that's the hiker podcast, I, I would want it to be a shirt where people could take it on a day hike or a through hike. So finding the right way to create those definitely something I, i'd want to do i mean i would love to you know if a company said hey andy we want to we want to partner with you and create you know like like you know Merrill shoes did with unlikely unlikely hikers we want to partner with you and create you know a line of hats and shirts that says hiking is for, is for everybody that runs sizes you know three three x small to you know eight eight x you know eight xl um, and hat sizes up to like, you know, eight and a half, totally down. That'd be amazing. Um, if that happens. Um, but yeah, I think the first step I, I want to do some hats, but, uh, it's just, it's tough. I want, I want, I want another thing is a lot of these places where you get shirts printed, where they print stuff for podcasts, like even Patreon, I have the, the Patreon account, they can print shirts for you, but they only go up to two X. I am so, so basically, unless it runs big, it's not going to fit me. I can fit in two sums, two sum, two some two X's if they run large. Um, anyways, on the right day, it, yeah. My sizing is so weird. I I have shirts in my closet that I wear every week that are two X and some that go up to like four XL. I have a five X that just it's shrunk and sizing is so weird with especially with outdoor clothing it's like what works at you know what's what's 3x at north face is not 3x at patagonia or i think patagonia has 3x i think they have 2x i think it's their biggest anyways so yeah that's that's kind of the biggest hang up i I would need to partner with someone who could give the capital and the money and the advertisement the marketing to really push the merchandise out to make it worth it to make good quality Hiking is for everybody. Hiker podcast merchandise, if that makes sense. So, yes, I do want to do it, and uh, I think patches will be one thing I can do. That way, you can go out and buy your own hat, buy your own jacket, put the patch on it, put it on your pack. That's a start, I think. Um, but yeah, it's something I've been struggling with for a long time. Next question: Garmin Inreach or Garmin Mini for first set 
communication purchase for satellite communication purpose. Um, so it really depends on what you want. I have the Garmin inReach, the full size one. I love it. Uh, the reason I got I got the inReach because it was on sale and I had a coupon, and it was only fifty dollars more than the mini, whereas it's usually a hundred dollars more than the mini. And I got the full size, so it was only fifty dollars more. And the the plan, the texting, and all that plan wasn't wasn't was the exact same, I believe. In as opposed to the mini for those you don't know, Garmin makes satellite communication devices and GPS um, communication devices where you can not only know exactly where you are. um, Every time I go hiking, every time I leave for hiking, I I start a tracking where it sends, it sends a ping out. So I I start tracking then it sends this text message to my, my spouse, Lindsay says, Hey, Andy is starting, starting this trip follow along on this link and she goes the link she can find exactly where i am in the car and then i'll send her a message say hey i'm on the trail now starting and every 10 minutes it sends a ping out so she can know exactly where i am and i can track it on the map there it also pairs with my phone which is a lot more functionality um the reason i have the reason i ended up deciding that besides the fact that it was 50 dollars more it is bigger with the regular inreach over the inreach mini is because it's for me it's contingency for so much of what i do is contingency it's a backup plan so i have dropped my cell phone before on trail and hasn't cracked but what if it did what if it fell down a ravine um the mini you can still get you know pre-written text messages out but it doesn't have the functionality the arrows doesn't have a lot of the stuff um that the full one the full screen does i can't type out messages Though it's with an arrow keypad, not a full-on QWERTY keypad. It's a little arrow like click, 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 A, click, 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 D, click, 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 you know. Um, it was just a contingency plan. Also, it has has a GPS on there. So if I my my phone did die or something did happen to my phone, I can still use the map on there. It really depends on what you need. I know a lot of people are very happy with the mini. I probably would have been happy with the mini. And if it wasn't only $50 more, if it was $100 more, I probably would have gotten the mini. Uh, really depends on what you want. I'm very happy with with the full one. The mini it pairs with your phone. It has all the same functionality as the 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 full in reach with the Garmin Connect app. Um, was it the Connect app? Let me go on here. It's the Garmin Earthmate app. The Connect app connects to the the wearables, um, which I'll get into that here in a minute with the next question. Um, and you can message, you can send full on messages. The plans I have, I think 30 text messages, 30 custom text messages a month along with unlimited pre-written. So it lets you like create 10 pre-written text messages that you can just send out, which I have stored. And one of them is like, Hey, made it to the trailhead. The other ones, um, we were starting to hike. Hey, we're running behind, but we're good. Don't worry. Love you. We'll message you when we get, we'll call you when we get service. Another one is, hey, just finished the, just finished the hike, getting in the car, heading toward, heading home. We'll call you as soon as I get service. Those ones I send out. But there's times where I'm like, you know, want to send out a text message. Hey, sitting by a wonderful waterfall and thinking of that one time we went to bend together, you know, <laughs> whatever it is. I'm able to type that out on my phone. So it really just depends on what you want. Um, I think... I was, it's definitely since I got the, the Garmin in reach has definitely made me feel safer because so many areas around here don't have cell phone service, though I can still use the GPS with the, um, the Gaia app. I can still locate where I am. I just can't communicate and just being able to communicate with my spouse and knowing that if something happens, especially with hiking with kids that I can call for help and help will be there. I paid for the plan. I think it was like $50 one time where uh it pay we have i have insurance and stuff but it pays for a a helo rescue they come out and get you um it covers all the ambulance expenses that insurance doesn't cover i just went ahead and did that i was like i just love having contingency plans uh if something was to happen especially with kids i'd hate for something to happen and i don't have cell service and i you know my kid is you know shattered their tibula and they can't get out and we can't get them out for whatever reason they're the tree stuck or whatever it is back severely injured head injury we shouldn't move them um i want i want those contingencies so having the garment in reach 
does that for me. And the Garmin Mini would be much the same. Um, the bigger one just has more options for me. It's a little more weight too. So that's something you want to consider if you're through hiking and you're worried about weight. It's something you want to consider as well. Uh, next question along those lines is, uh, as an any opinion on Garmin versus Coroso Global versus Apple for wearable route tracking GPS? Um, so I don't know anything about the Coroso, what is it? Coros wearable global. I don't know anything about that. I've never, I've never seen them before. Um, didn't even know it was a thing until you put it there, but I can say, uh, I've known lots of people who've had the Garmin tracking wearables and I have an Apple watch. My kids, all three of my kids have Garmin. I have the Garmin connect app where I can see what they're doing, track their, you know, their steps for the day. Um, it's actually really, really cool. Um, it really depends on, on, on who you are and what kind of money you want to spend. I think as a strictly hiking, tracking wearable, the Garmin is better. I do. Um, it does connect with phones. My kids connect with my phone. My, one of my daughters has a phone, connects with her phone. It works great. Um, as strictly a for hiking and outdoor recreation wearable, the Garmin lines, I think, are better. But I have Apple everything. I had Apple Watch before, and the Apple Watch is perfectly, it works perfectly well for me. With that said, the Apple Watch will die much sooner than a Garmin, any, any Garmin wearable. It will, battery-wise. The battery, because it's the way it's connected and what it does and the screen and the, the power usage, the Apple will always die before, uh, especially if you're running, if you're tracking your progress on it. So, you know, you can go on an overnight backpacking trip with, your, with most Garmins and not need to worry about bringing a charger. Um, can't do that with the Apple podcast. I have to bring Apple podcast, <laughs> the Apple, the Apple watch. I have to bring my Apple watch charger to make sure I plug in and, and have ready to go. So that's something to consider as well. For me, I, you know, I have, I just got the new iPhone, um, 13, um, pro I have, you know, I'm on my second MacBook pro. Um, I have an iPad, Apple TV, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an Apple guy. Um, I'll probably stick with that. My next wearable will be the the, the latest Apple Watch when I'm ready to upgrade. Um, if I was going to do a long through hike, like an extended month or more, I might consider investing in a Garmin because I know how good they are. So it really depends on what you, what you use. If you're a PC person, um, not really Mac, you don't have everything integrated, I think you should probably really consider the Garmin. Um, if you're going on a through hike and you're wanting a wearable, I, th I think you should consider the Garmin over the the Apple Watch, um, which is my opinion. So I won't talk about gear very much. So that's kind of kind of change of pace. Okay, next question: How does hiking in the Oregon in the Oregon? How does hiking in Oregon? That's, that was my mistake, not the question askers. How does hiking in the Oregon in Oregon differ from where you lived, hiked in other parts of the country? Oh wow! So I grew up in Southern California and Southern Nevada, in Los Angeles and Las Vegas. Um, did some hiking, uh, mostly with school and, um, really didn't get too into it too much. Uh, I was actually in Vegas. I was kind of scarred for life for hiking, not for life. Obviously I'm hiking now from an incident that happened, but, um, in Southern California, it was much more of a Mediterranean climate, not a whole lot of trees, drier, more arid, um, but beautiful. But also you have a lot more um suburban sprawl there so you'll hike up to you know a high point in southern california and you'll see this beautiful view but you'll see houses everywhere in every direction um and that's to be expected you got to kind of really get out on southern california get out towards big bear and other places to really the, the angeles national forest to, and then those places are there and those are those places are much more deserty and arid um or high desert than than other places so um, as far as hiking in Las Vegas, Las Vegas, I, I, I spent a lot of time in Red Rock and in Lee Canyon, Mount Charleston, and uh, very, very much the Mount Charleston area, which is about an hour away from Las Vegas, very high desert, you know, kind of like Bend, almost, if you've been to Bend, Oregon, um, but drier and more deserty. Um, beautiful, though. A lot of, lot of pines and things like that. Gorgeous, gorgeous area. 
Um, Red Rock, I love hiking Red Rock. Um, a lot of good short hikes. I did a lot with school and, you know, I was involved in church at the time. So we went there a lot for that kind of stuff. So I know, I know Red Rock really well. Very beautiful. I, I'm actually looking forward to going back as someone who now enjoys hiking and wants to enjoy those spots. Um, one place I, I've, I've spent a lot of time in, I've hiked, I've hiked in, um, is, is Reno, Nevada, outside of Reno and Tahoe area. I was going to hike, of course, the, the Tahoe Rim Trail, but there's, there's a hike in Reno. Um, I can't remember. It's, it's a fall. So you start out. It's, um, it's right. It's, you, if, if you know Reno, you go towards the North Valleys and it's, it's right there. You get off right before you head towards Stead and you're still in Reno. If anyone knows what I'm talking about, I got to look at the hike. I'm, I'm going to look it up. This is, this, this is me. I can do this. What was that hike? Let's, I think I tracked it on all trails. What was that? Hike? Come on, all trails. Oh, I didn't log. I've got a new iPhone and I didn't open it up yet. See, plan uh, less favorites history. There we go. I gotta give these. I have uh, the new iPhone and I haven't uh, logged into all of my different, what you call it, accounts yet. So I'm like, oh crap, I haven't logged in here yet. So out in Arena Hunter Creek Trail, I hiked it. In August 2019. So I love this trail because it starts out outside of Reno. It was six miles. And um yeah, it's it's just absolutely gorgeous. Um it's in what part of town? Uh, actually, no, it wasn't. I I'm mistaken. It wasn't it wasn't towards the North Valleys, it's more towards the south um south uh west part of town off i-80 um but we start out and this thing is desert it's desert it's full-on desert you're hiking on rocks and as you as you gain elevation gained about 1200 feet of elevation it's three and a half miles out and back it gets there's this like literal transformation where it goes from desert to more forest and and green and it just gets beautiful and it was just like wow um so places like that were really, really cool. Whereas here in Southern Oregon, it's, it's, it's dry. It's, it's not what a lot of people think of when they think of Oregon, Oregon, they think more Portland, old growth forest. And we definitely have that here in Southern Oregon, but it's here. It's a little more dry, a little more California Mediterranean, especially as it's been getting drier and drier every year. Um, but here, you know, we have pines and forests everywhere, large, you know, large mountains and, um, and um, peaks here that we didn't have in Southern California don't necessarily have around Reno or Las Vegas. Um, so yeah, it's ultimately it's two different landscapes. I've, you know, you have a Mediterranean kind of landscape in Southern California in, uh, in Las Vegas is very, very deserty Reno. It's just kind of this weird mix of both desert and so much, so much of Reno and hiking around there, like right around Reno is very deserty. feels a lot like Las Vegas, but you get like 10 minutes out of town. It feels very much like Southern Oregon and Ashland. Um, I remember when I lived, I lived in Reno for a while. A lot of people in Reno really connected with the Pacific Northwest and kind of considered a Reno, kind of an outlier of the Pacific Northwest. I, I joke with my wife that uh, Reno is what happens when you mix Portland, Bend and Las Vegas. So, um, but yeah, I, uh, I want to do more hiking around the country, around the world. Um, none, of the, none of those places really prepared me for hiking in 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 Oregon, though, with dealing with rain and mud and things. That's the other thing, too, is you really don't have those things in Southern California or in Southern Nevada and Las Vegas. Rain doesn't really happen. Sometimes you get snow, um, especially now more than you used to, um, but you don't go hiking then, <laughs> and it dries up pretty quick. So, yeah, good question, good question. Um, next question, man, we're going on 53 minutes. What am I doing? What am I doing? Hiking can be an intensive and introspective hobby. When you first started, how did you manage your time as a father and husband while also taking time for yourself on the trail when your family didn't want to join? Did you find anything in your life going on in the, on the back burner as more and more hours went into the outdoors? Um, funny you asked that. So to answer the last part of the question, did I find anything going more on the back burner? No, but that's because I was in a weird transition part of my life. I was in a part of my life where I had just, I, I left my old career 
I had just graduated film school. And so I was working part-time at a production company. I was doing odd jobs, odd production jobs. So I had, I was able to invest more time into it and investing more time into hiking in the outdoors and camping. I was just naturally doing what I do, creating content. I started this podcast and then that became, before I even started making any money from that, I began to get opportunities like, oh, you like the outdoors. You're great with the outdoors. Would you like to do this? Would you like to do that? Hey, we're filming this and it's outdoor related on this commercial. Would you like to be involved in this? And so, so much of my career now in media production, in audio, in film revolves around the outdoors. So, and even now with, I'm I'm doing modeling and I'm (laughs) doing some acting now. Um, it revolves around the outdoors and in, in an area in Ashland, Oregon, which, you know, has one of the, has the greatest, I believe the greatest repertory theater outside of New York city in the United States with the Oregon Shakespeare festival that is very creative, has films and productions happening here all the time um, for a small town movie maker magazine called Ashland, Oregon, one of the best smaller medium sized towns to live in. If you are a filmmaker, it's crazy. Smallest town on the list, you know, 30,000 people in Ashland. Obviously, the greater Rogue Valley, Southern Oregon metro area is much bigger, but still, still compared to other cities that were on that list, like, you know, Portland and other things, it's really, really small. Um, my, my work and my love of the outdoors have been able to grow together. That's not the case, I think, for a lot of people. Um, I got lucky. And my, my, my spouse supports me in it. My kids love doing it. Um, it's the, the, actually the, the opposite's true. Part of that question was, you know, how do you deal with when no, no one in the family wants to join you? It's actually the opposite for me. It's been sometimes I just want to go, I, I need to go on a hike alone. And you know, one of the kids is like, I want to go daddy. And when the, I've gotten to the point now where on those, either I'm going to do a late night hike after the kids go to bed and my, my house is like, oh, it's cool. I'm going to have, you know, my sister come over. We're going to hang out. Or it's going to be early morning. I'm waking up at 3.34 a.m., getting up, hiking at top of Table Rock or or Hobart Bluff at sunrise or the uh, East Applegate Ridge Trail around sunrise and getting home literally as my kids are waking up. You know, by, I go hike, grab breakfast on the way back, and I'm home by, you know, sun, sun, rose, at, sun rose at 6.30. I stay on the top of a peak or a bluff or a plateau for a half hour, hiked out, was out of there, you know, downhill by eight, home by eight thirty, grab some breakfast on the way home. So that that hasn't been much of an issue issue for me, um, because managing my time as a person who works in production and filmmaking and modeling has grown because of the outdoors, and it's grown with my love of the outdoors. Um, and it's actually enhanced me as a father. It's given me opportunity, especially with COVID going on, where you can't do anything else to spend time with my kids in the outdoors. Um, so yeah, kind of answers that question. Um, it, it re- I, I can't say that would have happened though. If I wasn't in the situation I was in, I was in a very lucky situation. Um, so yeah. Um, what I would suggest to someone, if they're, if they're finding discovering the outdoors and, you know, they still have, you know, family responsibilities work is, you know, make your priorities, write down. What are your priorities? Okay. Is hiking, being in the outdoors, is it making you a better person? Is, is hiking, making you a better, a better spouse, a better, a better, um, mother or father is it making you a better employee. Okay. Then, then make time for it to where it doesn't hurt those other aspects of your life. And sometimes that means getting up three thirty four in the morning, going and doing your hike. Think of it as a morning workout and, you know, just like how many people do, you know, get up at four o'clock. I mean, a lot of us, a lot of us know that one person, that one guy or gal who will wake up at 4 a.m., be at the gym at 430, work out for an hour and a half, you know, and they're the first ones in the office or the, you know, the first ones at work or, you know, we've all met those people before. So just think of it that, you know, every every Wednesday you get up at you check the sunrise, you get up, you do your thing. And um, yeah, and if if, if you're passionate about it my hope is it's going to make you a better person in all aspects of your life. And so it's going to be an investment, not only in you, but an investment in the people around you, who you love and who love you. 
So I hope that makes sense. Next question. Uh, you only got two more left. Look at this. And we're at almost an hour. Wow. At what point will you no longer consider yourself a new hiker and have to redo your opening? I've been thinking about that. I don't know. Um, I, I used to think, well, I get, when I do my first through hike, which got canned this, this year, probably in season four, which will happen in January. So yeah, season four, there we go. <laughs> All right. Last question, I believe. Yes. Last, what's this last question? Last question. Yes. Before taking your first hike, what was your biggest fear related to the trail? Um, my biggest fear related to the trail was getting lost. Um, yeah, just getting lost. I, um, when living in Las Vegas, I was meeting up with some friends up at Lee Canyon near Mount Charleston. And, uh, we didn't have cell service or really good cell service up there. And like, Oh, we're right over here by this grassy area. There's a trail there. Just follow the trail. And just go fast. You'll meet up with us. And then I lost service. And I remember hearing them like, Oh, they're just down here. Well, at some point the, the trail forked and I went down the wrong fork. There was no GPS at the time there. I didn't have a map of the area. Um, yeah, I wasn't really much of, I wasn't an outdoorsy person at all. I, I drove a Buick Riviera and I ended up being on this trail until dark. Um, and had to like bust it back. I was afraid there's gonna be a mountain lion. I ran out of water. I brought a little, you know, 500 milliliter, you know, 16 ounce bottle of water. I ended up, I think I, I, I tracked it not too long ago. I think I ended up hiking like six miles in the evening without no, no pack, no supplies. And I hiked till dark and like, oh crap, I need to turn around. And no, you know, I use, I use my cell phone. Like this is back when cell phones didn't have flashlights. So you just use the light from your screen and hope it didn't die um, <laughs> to get back. So, um, cause I didn't know where I was going. And so I think my biggest fear, why I, I actually started getting into hiking my first hike, I took my kids on, on the PCT, this whole our bluff is having, and I've talked about this before, contingencies, knowing where I'm going. So I'm going to go here, studying that trail, knowing, and I'm obsessive about it now. I want to know where I'm going. What are other people saying about it? What I'm watching videos about that particular trail, about that particular hike. I want to know everything I want to have, you know, I have, <clears throat> um, if I can get a paper map, I'll have a paper map. I'll keep it. If it's a trail, I really don't know. Keep that as a backup. And then I have the, the GPS on my phone. And then of course I have it downloaded on my Garmin in reach. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm super obsessive about getting lost. And that was my biggest fear is just getting lost. Um, and then I think also too, with that, it's just looking silly. I remember first hike. I felt, I felt silly because I, I went, I was hiking in like a, an LA Dodgers cap, like a full, like new era cap, not the kind you go hiking in a cotton shirt. I'm wearing like Reeboks, you know, with my kids and we're going down the PCT at the Hobart Bluff. I see these like, and I didn't know who they were. I didn't even realize we were on a PCT. I see these through hikers coming through these huge packs. I call them hiking sticks at the time. They're trekking poles and they're just busting it through and they just look like hikers. I'm like, oh, wow, I look ridiculous. And just, I remember thinking to myself, man, they must be judging me. I look ridiculous out here. Um, But getting to know the hiking community, nope. I don't think they were judging me. I'm not saying some people don't. And I've met definitely hikers who do judge you for not having the right gear and stuff. But I think the vast majority, 90% don't. And uh, my biggest fear was just not looking like I, not looking the part, which forget that. Who needs it? Anyways, guys, that's the last question. Thank you so much for listening to me uh, ask uh, or answer these asked questions. For the last hour now, um, if you want to know more about me, you can go to hikerpodcast.com, find out all the links and stuff like that. Find out about any of our sponsors, our amazing sponsors who sponsor this show week in and week out. Uh, Kanak Outdoors, makers of the carbon fiber cork trekking poles, um, amazing trekking poles. Of course, also you have CS Instant Coffee, makers of the best instant coffee on the trail. Go to hikerpodcast.com and click on sponsors. You can check out all their information, buy their stuff, find out how what you can do to support them and support the show. Um, and I'll talk about more than more about them in future episodes. Um, follow me on Instagram at Andy Films and Hikes. And yeah, guys, just thank you so much for being so awesome to me and uh, showing me so much love. 
Uh, I like doing these. I like doing these episodes every every nine to ten episodes or so, just because it's uh, a chance for me to talk and put myself out there. So, guys, have a great week, weekend, month, whatever you're listening. A lot of people listen to these out of order, so. And uh, just thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Hiker Podcast. <laughs>